North-South Connection podcast listening audience. It is Tim and Marcus once again back doing the work for you. Uh, Maybe this time we're covering something that the majority of our audience has uh, already uh, partaken in, but we're getting first to print on Viewer's Choice for AEW All Out 2022. Um, I am Tim, joined as always by the co-host of WWE War here on the North-South Connection. Marcus, Marcus, how are you? I'm a good man. Uh, Happy to be wrapping up a weekend of wrestling with you. And uh, our last podcast for the weekend for uh, North South Connection. Yeah, we uh, it's been it's been a little bit since we've uh, asked JT for the the time and a half the time and a half plus weekend pay or holiday pay holiday pay this time Uh, we need it we need a real bad Jack so uh, just slip us them ducats man and we'll be uh, we'll be in and out of your hair in thirty minutes or less so if this is your first time listening to us do. The viewer's choice thing here, we break down what's must watch, what's must skip, and who the MVP of every WWE and AEW event. Uh, if you're curious about Clash of the Castle, go back an episode and catch us out for that. But um, this is strictly AEW from the Now Arena. That's right. In, in Chicago, Illinois. The suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Yes. Uh, a stacked 15-match card. Marcus, you got it from top to bottom? Sure do. And just as a reminder, just because something gets a skip and does not get a must-watch, it does not mean that it was a bad match by any means. It just means it could have been a very good match. Um, but if it was inconsequential, you could save some time and we'll give it the skip. So... Uh, With that said, I will run down the card, of course, happening from the Now Arena in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, as Tim mentioned. Uh, We start off with the casino ladder match as uh, the Joker, who will be revealed later, uh, wins that. And that also had Claudio Cascagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Penta, Ray Phoenix, Andrade, um, Roosh, and Dante Martin. Um, Next... The elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks become the inaugural AEW World Trios champions by defeating Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order of Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Jade Cargill retains the TBS championship by defeating Athena. Wardlow and FTR pick up the win against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. Powerhouse Hobbs defeats Ricky Stocks in a singles match. Uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. I just don't like their tag names. I'm not going to say it, but Swerve in Our Glory. Swerve in Our Glory defeats the acclaimed to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Tony Storm becomes the interim AEW World Women's Champion by defeating Dr. Burt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Hakira Shuda. Uh, <laughs> almost got almost got my letters mixed up there. You did um, get your letters mixed I up there. I didn't save it. I thought I did. No, nope, uh, it's all right. Yeah, Sheeta, Sheeter, uh. as I'm a man Taz would say. Christian Cage defeats Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Chris Jericho defeats Brian Danielson. Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro defeat the House of Black. And our main event of the evening, CM Punk recaptures the AEW World Championship by defeating John Moxley to be confronted at the end of the night by Mr. Joker himself, the returning MJF. 
Uh, going back to something you said earlier about must watch and must skip, uh, just because again, just because we say something is skipped doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. But if it is bad, we will tell you, mm-hmm. and uh, we will save you the hassle. Um, I would be remiss if we did not acknowledge uh, at least one of the zero hour matches. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Tamahiro Ishii um, right before going on the main card if you can get your hands on that match rather good um, the Pack Kip Sabian match was okay uh, the AAA mixed tag match was a happening a happening uh, T's and P's to Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho uh and I think is that all that was on oh, uh, Hook and Hook and uh, that young, handsome, cool hand Ange Angelo Parker. Um, so let's start with the must watch, and I think match of the night is the acclaimed okay. versus Swerve in Our Glory. Um, There's another match of the night which I thought you were going to go with, but we'll we'll start here because we're yeah. in agreement here. Right, this is definitely match of the night. The most must-watch. Um, there was no derision here. Um, typically, uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland play a more good guy-centric uh, methodology, but the acclaimed are just so white-hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Swerve and Keith Lee put on the black hat for the match, and it works really well. Um, it's not necessarily an indictment on, um, like this match, while it's the best match of the night, while it is super great and worth the time and is a star making performance for the acclaimed, um, this is a match like many others on the card in which, um, it appears that AEW may be a little tone deaf to what the fans are wanting out of their product. Yeah, I think we can talk about it here. I mean, um, I think it's this... It, because I feel like we, we can talk about this particular... Um, this particular issue on almost any match we cover tonight as a must-watch or a must-skip. Yeah, and there's a couple of glaring instances, uh, and it's a, a rare, I hate to say miss, um, but AEW, t- I think tonight, might have shown that when they want to, the plan is the plan. Right, like they've made a, a habit of, be- or not a habit, but they have made their mark as being like, we are the promotion that listens. It was founded upon, hey, if we're hearing you do, if we're hearing the fans do something, we're not afraid to pivot. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid to go in that direction. And like coming into this, the acclaimed are one of the hottest acts in all of AEW. I get that Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are your Shaq and Kobe. I get that Swerve Strickland is extremely cool. I get the Keith Lee is extremely over, but still, what is the harm of pulling the trigger in Chicago, putting the titles on them, 
And if there's a a rematch for the titles or a return bout for the the titles, and Swerve in Our Glory win the titles back, what is the harm? Right, there is no harm there, and you've actually given a, a really cool moment uh, for the fans. And I feel like this show might have been missing some of those. Um, so yeah, I think the booking decision of not having the acclaimed go over and strap them up, um, I think was a mistake just by watching the last couple, not a couple, but really the last few months of AW and just how hot they've been getting and getting over with the crowd, uh, leading into tonight. Um, I don't think this is an example of like, well, the fans were like cool with them and then like the pay-per-view happens and it's like, oh, well, they're really over with this crowd. The acclaimed have been over with every crowd for quite some time. Uh, and like you said, like that red hot turned into white hot the last few weeks. Um, so I think this was the Chicago c- crowd, as we like to say, triple stamping a double stamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I hope this is not an instance like with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Stocks uh, when they had the opportunity to get strapped up a couple months ago. We knew where the, now. Now we see where they were going with Ricky Stocks and Powerhouse Hobbs, but. Um, yeah, they could have gotten the titles, um, and I think now you definitely could have put the titles on the acclaimed. But that being said, the match was excellent. Um, yeah, match of the night as far as I'm concerned as well. Uh, so I'm with you there on that must-watch. Uh, I will piggyback with you <laughs> with a must-watch. Um, and while it is not too much of a match, <laughs> it is one more match. Uh, I thought the Christian Cage Jungle Boy segment slash uh, slash match is must watch. Um, just anytime Christian Cage is out there, he has this extra layer of polish compared to anybody else. I mean, anybody else on the roster right now. There is nobody doing it quite like him. Um, and if you haven't watched, spoiler alert. Uh, Christian makes his entrance. He gets slapped by Jungle Boy's mom. Uh, that doesn't feel like that's an exclamation point. It doesn't feel like that is wrapped up. It feels like there's some more there between uh, those two. Um, Jungle Boy makes his entrance. He gets cut off by Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus, I guess, turns heel again. Uh, Choke slams Jungle Boy onto a steel grate off the stage. Um, should, then power bombs him or choke slams him. I can't remember. Power, uh, bomb. power bomb through a table at ringside. Uh, rolls Jungle Boy in. There's a near fall off a spear, and then uh, the unprettier or the kill switch, whichever you prefer, uh, does the job. Um, so not a very long match by any stretch. It's a very short segment, but uh, when you're talking about quality over quantity. This is the prime example. Uh, this did not need to be anything more than what it was. It keeps the story go- going. Sounds of freedom outside. And uh, just Christian's presence and his ability uh, to get the job done, no matter how much time he's given, uh, how little or how much, um, it is second to none in AEW. Yeah, I, I will give that. Uh, the-, the way that... Uh... Mrs. Jack, Mrs. Jack Perry's mom was looking at Christian. She looked like she was uh, vitamin C deficient. <laughs> uh, and Jack Perry's sister might need a, a, a prescription for some vitamin C as well. Uh, 
it feels like at a different time there'd be a one dollar Canadian bet put on <laughs> on Jungle Boy Jack Perry's mom, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is a fantastic segment. I know people are uh, the the internet is g- giving big big show vibes for for uh, Junk Luchasaurus uh, with the whiplash of him being a good guy, him being a bad guy. Um, unfortunately. Christian's shirt is worked everybody it's all a work like just let it all be um but it's really good and it gives me one gives me something wanting more leading into either a special edition of dynamite or full gear coming up at the end of the year um in new jersey that was announced um but yeah i can't say anything less than than must watch for that um, I do have another must-watch, and that is the christening of the inaugural AEW World Trios Champions. Yep, that's um, my other must-watch. The Elite and the Dark Order with Hangman Adam Page was such great long-term storytelling compacted into one match. Um, Kenny Omega has been literally hiding this giant awesome body under pillowcases and garbage bags for the last like three weeks uh kenny omega is in rare form again um back in the saddle um but the star of this match is absolutely um is absolutely john silver um John Silver really carries the load for the match and um, Hangman does his best to try to like quell the the angst or the the fire out of the Dark Order keeping them away from uh, going after uh, exploiting some of the injuries of Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega Um, but at the end uh, the hangman is the exact cause of the dark order losing the triple threat or the the trios match yeah everything you said 100% spot on i like the touch there was there was some storytelling that i did not appreciate i thought was inconsistent with with how the characters wrestle and it conflicted with the storytelling slash sports entertainment side of it with um, dark haired Jackson's back being hurt and hangman not wanting to target that. But like when hangman page normally wrestles, he like is pretty aggressive in the ring and just like you charge it to the game uh, when you're in between bells. So like that didn't really click for me. There's a couple other instances of that. Um, but getting to the end, I, I really did like that the miscommunication or the miscue happened with the non-regular tag partner and one of the regular tag guys, um, and the consistent trios unit being up in that. I thought that was a good touch and, um, really Silver and Reynolds really shine tonight. Um, you know, if anybody thought it was an upset that, uh, the two Dark Order dudes were in there. Uh, you know, hopefully your your opinion has been changed. Those two guys can go. Um, I know 
usually they're just kind of utilized as you know good TV match dudes, but um, they can bring the pay-per-view goods and hang with anybody on that roster. Um, so happy for Johnny Hungy, happy for uh, Alex Reynolds. Those dudes got big things coming up um, and uh, look to be a bigger part of the AEW roster moving forward. Um, I, I'm on the fence about if there's another must-watched him. Um, how do you feel about this main event? Um, I thought it was a match. Um, I wouldn't give it must-watch, but I also wouldn't give it must-skip. Just for the simple fact of there are, while this was the main event and while it was anticipated, it was not as anticipated as it could have been because they literally gave this match away on television two weeks ago. Um, And I get it. It's not the same match. They give you the match on Dynamite to give you this match. Mm -hmm. So I'm... I'm not as I'm not as pressed as other people are who watch this, uh, watch the AEW product on this. But at the same time, I can appreciate the fans or some of the fans being very um, not fully clocked in on this matchup and. I mean, even so, I felt like the city of Chicago necessarily was not clocked in either on this match. Um, the crowd could have been a little bit better, but all things considered, I think Mox and, and Punk did did rather well. Um, but I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't put it on a pedestal. I wouldn't say it's CM Punk's best match in AEW. I wouldn't say it's John Moxley's best match in AEW. It's not one of the better world title defenses um mm. even in this reign of John Moxley it's not it's not on that caliber so um i'm fine with missing on that um but we cannot talk about the main event without talking about the um well two we cannot we cannot talk about the main event without talking about two other pieces one of which is the opening ladder match, mm-hmm. and one of which is the aftermatch of the main event. Correct. I want to go in reverse order. I want to talk about the aftermatch first. Okay. Um, the aftermatch was okay to me. Um, I will be completely honest. I am not going to speak unbiased about this. Um but I am not an MJF fan. This isn't, it's not because I don't like MJF and he is working for me as a, a quote unquote heel. Um, I don't have any interest in watching Maxwell Jacob Friedman do anything on my television in a wrestling sense. Um, I this is just my thoughts and opinions. It doesn't match. It, it doesn't it match out. anything with North no, South. I'm not putting any words into Marcus's mouth at all. But if Maxwell Jacob Friedman stopped wrestling today, I would be okay with it. Super happy. So glad. Um, that's not to say I don't want him to make a living. But 
I absolutely tune out when Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, is on my television. Doesn't work for me. I don't get it. He's not the second coming of CM Punk. He's not the third coming of Roddy Piper. I just... Uninspired, unauthentic, unoriginal. Not for me. And um, that plays off of what took place during the Casino Battle Royale ladder match. Mm -hmm. Really great thought in what they tried to do but for the opener of the show to utilize some of AEW's biggest and brightest stars as well as the future of AEW in Dante Martin and in Wheeler Yuta to have Stokely Hathaway's Dangerous Alliance or however you want to label it with W. Morrissey and Ethan Page and the Gun Club and I didn't see Lee Moriarty I didn't either at all but Stoke actually grabbing the poker chip chip and the Joker doing his best WCW Phantom Black Scorpion uh, motif coming down to the ring um, and telegraphing in certain points that it's MJF mm-hmm. from the entrance into the ring or his his just his he has a lot of Jim Ross would call it body English um, that opening ladder match I feel did a lot of harm to what they were trying to establish with MJF later. Especially since there was no sign of Stokely or the poker chip or anything aside from that weird kabuki mask in the final segment. Yeah. Like, it felt disjunct that, like, there was just a little bit of continuity between them when it's an ability to not only bring back, quote unquote, the youngest, fastest rising star in all of professional wrestling, but it solidifies the strength and influence of Stokely Hathaway, the might of the alliance of individuals that he's put together, mm-hmm. that with that unif- that unification of people and Stokely Hathaway's influence, anything is possible, including getting MJF back on television. But then you negate that type of storytelling by including a voicemail from Tony Khan begging and pleading MJF to come back. Rewarding. Rewarding him for calling him an effing mark on television. Like, whether it is storyline or it's real life. If it's if it's real life, I understand. If it's storyline, why are you going to cave to this person? If you're the boss and somebody has continually no-called, no-showed to work, are you going to call them begging and pleading coming to work? 
Or are you going to be like, hey, you don't, you obviously don't want to be here. Go away. That's just me. And my opinion on MJF is very low. And maybe Tony Khan's opinion of MJF is very high. I'm very sorry for Tony Khan. But, um, the, so to say all that, the Casino Battle Royal ladder match is a 100% must skip. And the aftermatch, if you're an MJF fan, eat it up. And if you're not, I'll see you over at the adult table. Yeah, I think both of us could sit here and poke. We could really sink this boat tonight with all the logic holes that we would point out. And I'd love to. I mean, um, I, I got a, I got an hour and a half drive after this, <laughs> and I'm probably going to be cussing out everything uh, on the car ride home to myself. Um, they had the ability to just make something special. It could have been special, and it felt half-baked. It was a half-baked idea with the ladder match, and it was a half-baked idea in the reveal of MJF. Yeah. Like... You know what you could have done instead? You could have you could have had all of Stokely's goons jump punk in the ring. Or even just have them all on stage with MJF at the forefront. Or, or the lights go out and as the lights come up, everybody's surrounding the ring. MJF and Stoker on the ramp. Like yeah. just teasing the the the, yeah. the hunt. The, either the, either way, however you get there, I think but I think you need the visual visual represent uh, representation of the of collective, the collective group versus CM Punk, and that's an easy way to get to the pay per view. Like CM Punk has to run through all those dudes on TV. He's got to do W Morrissey. He's got to do both Gun Club boys. Right. He's got to do Ethan Page. He's got to find tag team partners. He's got to do trios matches. He's got to do four on fours. Because if it's MJF. He's got to go through the trials of MJF. Right. He, and he ain't got Wardlow. Now he's got five Wardlows. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll let you take all the heat for the MJF um, opinion, uh, opinion on that. I'll take some more heat from you if you want me to. Um, do you want me to take some more heat off of you? Uh, sure, sure. What do you got? Must skip Jade Cargill and Athena. Yeah, you can go ahead and skip that one. Jade Cargill's awesome. Jade Cargill's great. Yeah. The booking of Jade Cargill, not very good. I why they why they need to consistently try to make her out to be this fifty like this this really they Booker is this dominant character who then like has to like go 50, find 50. a way find a way to win. Right, she has to go 50-50 with all her pay-per-view opponents. But Wardlow can just, like, shoot powerbomb dudes four times and win? It's it's very inconsistent. No. Like, and, and I get it that you can you can talk about how it's Jade Cargill's inexperience in the ring. And she's only had 37 matches, and she's 37-0. and 0, And, of course, uh, someone like Athena should be able to... To put a dent in the armor. But if she's so inexperienced, why does she keep winning when the matches go a little bit later? <laughs> right. And then also, too, like, you can still have a someone like Athena maybe get the upper hand in, like, the first three or four minutes. But once the dominating power of Jade Cargill turns on, I don't expect an Athena to be able to weather the storm. But that's just me. Must skip Jade Cargill and Athena. 
Didn't work for me. Now, Jade Cargill as She-Hulk, that worked for me. I think it worked for a lot of people, brother. That was here for me. There. Um, Respectfully. Here for me. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was must skip. Um... I would just say, like, everything else was just there. Fair to Midland. Yeah. Like, it was... And... I think we do have to give a note. Um, While we have one arrival, it would kind of seem like there might be one departure uh, for the time being. Um, I thought that Malachi Black getting misted was a character end. Because the mist has been his tool. It's been his weapon. Mm-hmm. And I think him getting the mist from Sting um, is a way to write him off for a while. And there, of course, there's been the rumors of him uh, needing to go handle some personal matters. Uh, not going to get into that. So if he needs time off, hopefully he gets it. I thought the mist was a, a nice creative way to write that character off. That kind of seemed like him getting his comeuppance. Right. Um, it very well could have. Yes. You know, having a... Having a sip of his own poison, if you will. So, right. Um, yeah, I think we're we're gonna be away from the House of Black, or at least Malachi Black, for a while. Um, it's always cool to see Big Stinger on pay per view. Um, very sad we didn't get to see New Stinger, New Jack Stinger. I'm very sad that the three trios matches on the card all all like none of them differentiated each other like from each other. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that was disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think everything else on the card, like I think, technically gets a must skip, but it fits into that g- category of. Well, like, I wouldn't even give it like a must skip because like the, the the structure of what we do here is to hit the highlights and low lights. Right. Not, not necessarily low lights, but of just things of like with our must skips, it's things that are highly anticipated or things that like might pique your interest to watch. And kind of saving you the, saving you the time, to go watch it. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Everything was just kind of there. Like, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. If you want to skip it, you can skip it. Like, I don't think you're gonna be better off one way or the other. Right. I think, I think absolutely the big takeaways are the the trios tournament final, the AEW World Tag Team Title Match. And Christian and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Yeah. Um, everything else to me is just just there. It, it, it's all kind of, at least, I don't want to use the phrase filler. That's not fair. Um, but I will say that this card, very structured, like most AEW pay-per-views, in a sense... Um, and whether that's your cup of tea or not, that's notwithstanding. Um, but this was true to form an AEW pay-per-view. Um, just the one takeaway, and we kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast, is that it was very much, um, very tone deaf in certain degrees. Mm-hmm. Like if just, just going over the highlights of the card, um, Setting the tone and tone deafness with the casino ladder match, right. um, carrying on into the um, the tag team title match, carrying into the interim AEW women's title match, right. carrying into Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, 
and then you know whether it's crowd fatigue or what have you um the crowd was rather hot coming off of the the ladder match because they they definitely set the card up in such a way that having it be followed up with the trio's final really great um the card flowed very heavy on highs and lows but it was very sharp highs and lows it was instead of nice curves it's very um like cardiac rhythm of bit boop bit boop bit boop spikes across the board um and the crowd definitely felt it come the end of the night yeah because when they were high they were really high but after those highs they're put in situations where they are just sapped completely out of it right it's hard for them to come back up i thought right and i mean case in point at the end of the night in chicago your championing hero the man who said that john moxley was going to have to face not just cm punk but the city of chicago standing tall with the AEW world title in his hands and the entire crowd of chicago is chanting m j f right and you could say well that shows how mjf uh is over and i would tell you that well i think it's just basic formula I think any time that you tell a story where it's wrestler or man versus Boss. machine slash company, people are going to side with, with the, the man. So um, worker, especially in a town that works, in a city that works like right. Chicago, they're going to take the person who is the worker and not the company. MJF is supposed to be super rich money guy. Why they positioned him to cry poor um curious choice maybe they wanted to make a new baby face there's literally a million other ways to make him a baby face right aside from i'm going to go home because i'm not making enough money i'm gonna scream into this microphone and enunciate every syllable until i get what i want and then i'm gonna walk away from it all because i don't care but if he's so poor, doesn't he need to keep working? No, because I have generational wealth. Ah. I just want more wealth because, don't you know, the rich want to get richer, Marcus. Sure, that's sure. Um, whatever you need to tell yourself. But With all, with all of this negative, um, do you have an MVP of the night? Uh, I got to give it to the acclaimed. Yes. Acclaimed, including uh, Billy Gunn. Daddy ass. That's right. Scissor me. That's not a harshie. That's his name. <laughs> Um, I think that's the hottest the crowd was all night was for the acclaimed. Um, and I think for them being in the middle of the card, um, not even. Um, yeah, I think I thought that spoke a lot. Uh, they they worked really hard and uh, they really got themselves over and put on a great match too. I cannot disagree. Um, Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, really again reiterating star making performance for the two of them. Such great work. Um, and I just, I, I want to give kudos to the other side of the ring on that one. Um, the veteran 
Um, or just like the, the, the ring sense to know how to change maybe what they're doing. Right. They have and to be leaning, a heel. Like you said, wear a black hat. Leaning into villainous territory to allow for the acclaim to be the shining light in the matchup. Right. And as soon as like they like at the very beginning of the match, they didn't really establish that heel face mentality. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they did, the fans were there and they grabbed a hold of the acclaimed and it made everything else just bite and bite and bite. And um, I really thought that this was going to be the acclaimed's time to shine. Um, I'm hoping that they do get to shine. But I'm also afraid that, you know, whether whether you believe in the quote-unquote wrestling journalists out there and the uh, aggressive expansion of world wrestling entertainment right now, um, you don't know what former Triple H guys might be, so... Whether you're taking the business sense out of it or you're putting the the actual story in front of it, I'm looking at it story-wise, um, and I hope that that's where it kind of goes. Give the acclaimed a bone mm. and utilize Keith Lee and Swerve in a, in a different way, even if it's to put the titles back on them. Shaq and Kobe won three titles together. Mm-hmm. You got to tell that story somehow if they're going to be the dominant two free agents who unified together and put a stranglehold on a division. Like you can easily lose a title, but regain it and still stay dominant. You can always write it off as being a blip. Um, But again, that's personal tastes, preferences aside. And uh, do you have anything else? Any takeaways overall for all out? Um, I, I don't think so. I think we covered everything I wanted to talk about. Um, everything I felt like was really important. Of course, AW always does a really good job of getting you to want to watch Dynamite and Rampage mm-hmm. coming out of this. I'll agree. Um, so they did hype up and set up some matches for, I believe they said it was their Buffalo debut. Yep. Coming they, up. So coming up on Dynamite is going to be Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia for the ROH Pure title, as well as a trios match between the best friends and the death triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two matches absolutely worth um, the price of admission for their Buffalo debut. Right. Uh, so def- and there's definitely a lot of questions that are, that need to be answered or, or answered better. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, they a lot can, of ironing, they can do a lot of damage control um, between now and, Dynamite to kind of tie up some loose ends. Right. They can uh, rewrite some of the history pages. And right. There's just of... a couple of wrinkles uh, mm-hmm. in what they did, and I think they can be ironed out on TV. Yeah, magic through Cinemagic, they can, they can spruce things up. But uh, we are so glad that we're a part of the North-South Connection. Uh, check us out. Uh, after every WWE, AEW, and sometimes NXT 
um, events here. Uh, so many other podcasts on the North South Connection, podcasts dropping on the daily. Whether you like the long solo form content of Aaron George and the wrestler that was, or if you like your era centric podcast, whether you're talking about New Gen on a Mission or Ruthlessly Aggressive Pod or even WWE War, um, there's so much for you on the North South Connection. Uh, definitely give all of the flavors. We're like Baskin Robbins, 27 flavors. Uh, 37. How many? How many flavors for Baskin Robbins? I don't know. I think. 47? I, don't I just confuse. I conflated Baskin Robbins and Dr Pepper together, but that's neither here nor there. So much for you on the no so. Um, if you enjoy what we do here, give a listen to us over on our other podcast, Final Wrestling Place, on the soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. It's uh, our home for so many other wrestling-themed podcasts like At Odds with Wrestling with Joe Sposto and Adam Van, and We Need Wrestling with DJ and Brett. Um, there, there's so much in store for you over there. So if you're a podcastaholic like Marcus and I, so much other content for you as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't open that door for you. Um, a big shout-out to our man DeWiki, a.k.a. Uh, Sneaker Dean Shoesy. Uh, David Kincannon. Unfortunately, there's no branding on this episode, but he is responsible for the entrance or the the theme song for this and so many other podcasts that for all of the podcasts we do and some other podcasts on and off of the soon to be named network. Uh, you can follow him at DWKII on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at not the toolman. You can follow Marcus over at the Wrestling Speakeasy. If you know, you know. And follow us at T&M Shows, where you can follow and, and get a hold of all of our content and contact us directly. The next time we'll be around will be Extreme Rules for uh, live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We won't be there, but we will be here giving you what's must-watch and what's must-skip and who the MVP of WWE's return to the land of extreme. But until then, there's only one piece of advice we can give you. The choice is yours.